It's no longer about customer service. It's about the customer's experience. It recognizes what you are about to do and it optimizes your machine for what you're about to do. Luxury is not defined by price, in my opinion. I love connecting people. I love uh, sharing and, and really inspiring people and how they also can really get out of their shell and really learn how to really be a connector as well. I'm Richard Gerhardt. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhardt. Passage to Profit, the show that's all about small businesses, entrepreneurs, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. You just heard from a few of our outstanding guests, so stick with us. We'll be right back. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our guest this evening, Deborah Boblett, who is a motivational speaker on leadership, and she will tell you how to master the secrets of business communication. And also, solve IQ, we have Bogdan Adolinsky. And then we have two incredible presenters after that. How do you like living in the lap of luxury? For me, I love it. So <laughs> if you want to find the things you need for that, uh, you want to hear what Lisa Laurie is presenting. And also, how do you really communicate with people and network and all that stuff? Some people just do it so naturally and some people just stutter. So you want to hear what Steve Spiro has to say on that topic. That sounds absolutely fantastic. But before we go to our guests, what do we have next? We have IP in the news. Richard's got a doozy this time. <laughs> <laughs> so just to give you an example of what's been going on in China lately and intellectual property, there are a lot of people who question whether or not intellectual property in China is even worth having. Well, recently we got a newsletter from one of our Chinese colleagues, Pingu, from the Pingu team at the Zing Lun Law Firm. And they said in their uh, newsletter recently that we recently secured a criminal conviction in a trade secret case in Sichuan, China for our client who was a medical equipment manufacturer. The two felons acquired drawings and technical information by their contact with the company, but they went out and they manufactured the items that they found before the other company could. And so the private law firm worked with the prosecutors to find the two felons guilty of intellectual property theft. And now they're apparently serving time in the Chinese penitentiary. Can that, so. happen? Can that happen here? I, I don't think you actually, well, I don't know. Some people go to jail for stealing. I mean, oh, oh, it's like stealing property. It's intellectual property, right? Right. But I mean, in China, I just would worry about being criminally convicted of anything because it used to be that they had these like death vans that would drive around and perform ex public executions. And so hopefully they just got jail time and are not actually being executed. Our prisons are no picnic either. So, <laughs> so if you want to stay out of jail, don't copy other people's property. <laughs> but you do bring up a good point. It's a crime to take intellectual property in the U.S. too. And it's not often prosecuted, but, you know, counterfeiting, if they catch you counterfeiting purses or or any kind of uh, materials, you can be arrested and go to jail for it. There was a former Google employee that was working in the self-driving car division of the company. And he went out and he started his own company for self-driving trucks. And he ended up with 33 criminal indictments for intellectual property theft. So it's really not as uncommon as you may think. So yeah, if you want to start a business, make sure that you're not copying somebody else. Normally, I think what would happen would be that you get a cease and desist. And if you were selling, you would have to give them part of your profit. Normally it's just a civil matter. It's not a criminal matter, but uh, there's also the uh, Economic Espionage Act of 1996, where if you give commercial trade secrets to a foreign government in order to help them, you can go to jail for that. And the first person who got convicted of that was an employee of Boeing. He ended up going to jail for 16 years, having given secrets to the Chinese government around rocket technology and airplane technology. So it's serious it, business, it's serious business. But now we're going on to not so serious stuff. <laughs> so Richard found this incredible patent and this is being sold on Amazon. It's called the Daddle. Now, it could have been called the Maddle, but that doesn't sound as good. But it's basically... 
<laughs> it's a harness that dad wears. Well, he wears it around his waist and it's got stirrups in the back so he can give the kid horse rides. <laughs> right. Instead, the horse. <laughs> instead of doing the normal piggyback thing, it's you, a horseback you, you, you wrap your arms around your son or daughter's legs, it, it's like stirrups. So you're like riding a horse. And the patent drawings are kind of funny, but he got a patent in 20 years ago. He's been selling on Amazon and it's got four and a half stars. <laughs> I wish I'd known about this 20 years <laughs> I'm ago. I'm kind of glad you did. <laughs> because I'm sure I'd have a sore back by now. <laughs> Passage to Profit, Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our guest this evening is Deborah Boblett, and she's a motivational speaker, and it was always her dream to make a positive impact on the lives of others. And Deborah was a top leader at State Farm Insurance Company, and she decided to head out on her own. So welcome, Deborah. What was it like to move from a corporate environment to running your own gig? Very, very different, as you can imagine, right? And I officially retired in order to do that. And I have been doing it for the last couple of years. But it's great. Uh, you're out on your own and you speak to others and you help them based on your experience and your expertise. And so it's been very gratifying, actually. That's great. So what prompted you to decide to to do this? What was your motivation and inspiration? Yes. Well, it's been interesting because I was an entrepreneur myself for several years and then I was in leadership for 24 years, some type of a leadership executive position. And what happened during that period of time was I was always being asked to do exactly what I do now. So would you please come and speak to this group? Would you do this? Would you do that on this topic, on that topic, primarily around leadership uh, and entrepreneurship? And so when I retired, I knew that that was my uh, goal is to be able to share that and to help people and to continue to help people understand what it is to be an entrepreneur what are the tips for being an entrepreneur? What are the frustrations, et cetera? And then also, how do you lead a team? Because as an entrepreneur, you are a leader. And so how do you lead your team? How do you create a successful team? How do you communicate, et cetera, et cetera? So uh, that's really what prompted me to do that because I was doing that anyway internally and then also externally while I had the position in leadership with State Farm. So what do you think the most important qualities a leader needs to have, and especially an entrepreneur leader needs to have. Yeah. So if we narrow it down to an entrepreneur leader, I would say, first of all, there's got to be passion in there somewhere. You've got to be passionate about whatever you're doing. So if you're selling widgets or you're selling some non-consumable product, you've got to really care about that. Uh, you've also got to have perseverance. And particularly in today's environment, as we just saw through the pandemic, you know, you're going to have highs and lows at all times based on the market and what's happening out there. So the perseverance piece is critical. It's got to be, I'm not going to give up until I'm successful. And that's really what it takes to be an entrepreneur and a successful entrepreneur. That's critical. The other piece that I think is very important, and I have been talking to a lot of business owners lately, small business owners particularly, and it's this issue of staff. That's always been the number one problem for every single business owner I've ever talked to over a 30-year period of time. And it's even more so today because it's difficult to get people. But it's not only difficult to get them, but then how do you continue to incent them? How do you develop them? How do you keep them staying in your business as opposed to the competition or going somewhere else? So that's critical as well. And so those three pieces are probably the most important. And then I guess I would add one more thing 
when you open any kind of a business and you have an actual physical location, it's no longer about customer service. It's about the customer's experience. And there's a huge difference between the two. And you've got to have a plan and a way that you're going to provide the best customer experience or that customer, that client's going somewhere else. And I, I've done that myself. If I don't feel like I've got the best customer experience at X, wherever that is, I'll just find the other one because there's competition everywhere. So those, those are critical pieces to being a successful entrepreneur. That's great. And I just want to say that the bar for customer experience keeps raising. Absolutely. Right? Consider your your typical retail experience versus Amazon. Right. Now the, the expectation is that you've got 8 billion things to choose from. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got all sorts of reviews to read about whether it works or not, how good it is, what the pluses, the minuses are. It's immediate. With Prime, yeah. you get it either the same day or the next day, right? Right. And then it gets delivered mm -hmm. to your door almost instantly. And it's so reliable. And so yes. that's like the standard, I think, everybody expects for every kind of retail transaction, every type of commercial transaction. Right. And if they don't do that, they're not satisfied. Exactly. <laughs> and, and really, you've got to train. If you have staff, you have to train your staff to be able to accommodate for that in some way. So business owners today have to be more and more and more creative. They have to be because their competition is Amazon. That's on everybody's mind. I didn't get it in the mail today when I ordered it this morning. So what are you going to do for me? So right. I think every entrepreneur has to think very carefully about that. And how do they create the customer experience that's going to keep me there as their customer? Because competition is huge. And the expectations of all of us, including myself, are much higher than they ever were before because we can get yeah. it somewhere else. Yeah, how important do you think the website is? Because we're actually working on ours now and it's all about the customer journey through your website. Do you think every business needs a website in this day and age? And do you think it has to stand out? Yes, and yes. Uh, I think it's very, very important. I was talking to a uh, business owner the other day, young woman who, by the way, opened her doors during COVID, which is pretty incredible. And they had a successful year. And they have gotten so large in one year, during COVID, no less, that they're now going to be expanding. And so I said to her, I said, tell me about this. And where are you getting your customers, A, B, where are you going to get your new staff? And she said, they, they have Instagram up and only Instagram. They don't really use anything anymore. That is how they are getting customers walking in the door every single day. And that's how they believe they're going to get their newest employees as they expand. So, it, you know, they're relying on that. Of course, word of mouth still counts in this day and age. Referral and word of mouth is still critically important, but that's really what they're relying on. If they didn't have that, they probably would not be expanding. So no. I agree. I think yes and yes to those questions. They're going to have to have a website and it is, does play a critical role. But it's interesting to know that you can start without a website, which, you know, five years ago, would have been a shocking idea. Yeah. Yes. Nobody, Definitely. everybody would have said, well, you got to have a website, yeah. right? Yeah. Kenya? Uh, Deborah, I wanted to talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial ruts and what you can share in terms of how to avoid getting into one and how to get out of one if you're already in one. Yes. And I would say, you know, we used to say uh, in our, our business, hope is not a strategy. So, I don't, <laughs> right? Gee, I hope I'm successful this year. I hope I get clients or whatever. So I still think, Kenya, that you've got to have a plan. You have to have a solid business plan that you run by others and that it's a practical business plan. And then don't forget about it. We, I've had so many entrepreneurs who develop the most incredible plan. It looks wonderful. And then they don't follow it. And so that's how ruts happen. When you let that go and you don't go back to what am I supposed to be doing on a daily basis? In my opinion, it gets that granule. What do I do every day to make sure this business is a success? And all of that needs to be in your plan. And then your employees absolutely have to buy into that plan and understand it and then act on it or nothing's going to happen. And you're right. That's when the ruts come in. Deborah, do you ever, when you're talking about this subject with your clients or with your audiences, you ever talk about plan B? Yes. And I also think that flexibility, and we've been talking about this generally right now, but flexibility is key. So for example, one more time, when the markets change, you have to be flexible enough to turn and change on a dime. 
And so COVID is the perfect example. This whole pandemic threw all of these small business owners just out on the street, basically, right? Now, what do I do? I'm closed for four months at least, or more in some states as we know, right? Now, what do I do? And so many of them changed literally what they sold or how they approached clients or how they reached clients or changed their website. I mean, it takes creativity and flexibility and that is key. You know, I could listen to you all day. I'd love to hear one of your motivational speeches, but we're out of time for this segment, unfortunately. Yes. And so we'll be right back with more Passage to Profit. Thank you, Deborah. And I hope you'll stick around to help us with the rest of the show. So I will. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Sure. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business, all of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. For our next guest, I want to ask, does your computer run like a Star Wars starfighter or a broken down 1945 Studebaker? (laughs) We have with us this evening the Jedi Knight of PC performance, Bogdan Odolinsky. Welcome to the show, Bogdan. Tell us a little bit about how Solve IQ works and what it does. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. Solve IQ is a company that's focused on providing the best performance or providing the performance you would expect from the, the, the equipment that you use every day, whatever it is that you purchase, right? You bought a particular make uh, and model of machine. You bought it for a particular purpose or set of purposes. Our goal is to make sure it's running in tip-top shape at all times. So we've got some unique optimization technology that's patented. I'm actually one of the authors on, uh, of that patent. And we also couple that because performance, you know, when you think about performance, it's not just about, is it running fast, but is it running the way that you expect? Are there challenges that are getting in your way? So we've coupled that with essentially a a human-assisted service so that if there's anything that does go wrong, uh, has maybe nothing to do with performance, you can basically rely on SolveIQ to just basically jump in and help you resolve whatever it is, like a camera cutting out or uh, audio cutting out during a Zoom call. (laughs) Right. So how does the software do that? How does it actually accomplish these things? I'll start very top level and I can get down to the nitty gritty if you'd like. At at the end of the day, what makes our uh, optimization approach unique is that it recognizes what you are about to do and it optimizes your machine for what you're about to do. And it does that by detecting the apps that you're launching or the apps that you're focused on. So if you're launching a game, we'll optimize for that game. If you're launching a spreadsheet because you're doing some work, uh, then we'll optimize for Excel. You know what? I wish my computer did that. I'm going to have to look into this. <laughs> that is totally Buck Rogers. And it's really amazing that you folks could figure this out. Yeah, we. so there's the implementation, there's the patent and is the implementation, right? So you asked the question about like, do we do work or worker processes? Yeah, we have this kernel level process. It sits sort of at the level of the CPU in software terms. It detects those events. And then we've got some backend that just uh, based on the event will issue the right set of uh, tweaks and optimizations. So does it work on Zoom? Yes, absolutely. Recognize when Zoom launches and it'll help uh, just make, make sure that the PC has more resources allocated to the Zoom rather than whatever else you might have running in a background. You know, when we all have chipsets in our heads, you'll be able to predict what people are going to say and do. You <laughs> <laughs> For example, if I could predict what Elizabeth was going to say or do, I'd, uh, you better tread softly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there quite yet. I'm going to stick to the PC world for now. 
so does it you, you upload this to your PC and it just does it all? Does the user have to do anything or? So, um, you know, we were talking about, uh, Deborah was talking about, you know, customer experience being key. And, and I, I do want to touch on that because it's, it's what we're finding is really the, the critical component. But customers find us when they're searching for help on the Internet and we, they, we just know how to capture those people and searching for help. The process is, yeah, um, they'll, they'll end up on our website. They'll download a piece of software. Once they, uh, once they embark into the software, it will automatically do those things that I just described. It will also tune your machine in terms of what's, you know, what might need to be tuned. The other piece behind uh, optimization is protection. We all get gunk on our machine. We don't know how the heck it, it happens, right? We, all of a sudden stuff shows up that we don't remember installing. So we protect against all the bad stuff from getting on your machine. We protect you from visiting malware sites, basically adding to your security, whatever antivirus you might have, we're adding layers to that. My websites always say that they're putting cookies on my computer, but I can never find out whether they're chocolate chip and I never <laughs> end up with any cookies in my office. Okay, now that is a little lame there. That was lame? <laughs> yeah, okay. so, so I think we should go to Tampa. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Do you have a question or comment? Now I'm hungry. That was very funny though. I really appreciated that. But, you know, getting back to that customer experience piece again, um, you know, there's a real big difference between the service piece and the experience. And the experience is how you make customers feel right about that product whatever that product is right how do i feel uh the service is just an expectation that's the bottom level anymore but how are you making me feel that's better if i go with your product than the other product down the street so um i totally agree with what you're saying we're a company that's evolving right and so we spent the last few years re-architecting and implementing that patent and making it work real well and we've been acquiring customers, but now in our sort of growth path as a company, we've realized, well, okay, well, you know, this service is, is, is an ongoing service. You want to make sure that people stay with the service. And it's all about making them feel like they're getting what right. they paid for, right? right? And that's where we're focused on. We're seeing the data is telling us, hey, we have work to do to really make them understand all the pieces and parts of this service, right? What we, what one little data point, most of our customers don't know that the assisted service is there. We just don't do a good job in, of surfacing that, right? Yeah. And, and your best source are your customers. What will make them stay with you? That's one of the best questions you can ask is what will make you stay with us? What do you need from me more than anything else? And there, there's your answer. So we just started implementing this thing called the NPS score. Uh, it's called the Net Promoter Score. It's one question. Would you recommend our service to a friend or colleague, you know, on a scale of zero to 10? And we just started asking that question and we're finding out so much. And there's always a follow-up where they can put in some free text. Yeah, because that was a question I had is that's one thing to rate it. And would you tell somebody, but why would you tell somebody? That's exactly what we ask right? next, yeah. right? Like, like, right. Or, or what could we do to improve that score, right? Sure. Um, and we're, we're, it's, it's a gold mine. And, you know, Great. it's free. You don't have to pay a marketing company. You just ask your own customers exactly. who are already your exactly. customers. <laughs> we used to say to customers, one of the best things was, look, we know price is critically important to you. It's important to all of us. But beyond price, what do you need from me? for you to stay with me. That gave us the opportunity to meet individual needs, which is also unique. Yeah, so for a lot of years, we would we always get that comment from customers, well, you know, it's the price that's the issue, but that never helped us make the product better. People want to give that feedback. So I'll give that feedback to businesses, whether they ask for it or not. And if you do something right, I'll give feedback. Like I'll yeah, give glowing right. reviews on Google. I don't right. necessarily ding people on Google because I don't know if my experience is the same as everybody else's, but I will go to the company privately and say, you know, I'm not using you anymore because of this. I think that's an important point for a business and an entrepreneur. If you can get that information before they leave, that's huge. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, so there's a strategy to when to ask. And, uh, you know, we were talking, so if you're talking about customer experience, customer, you know, it's really weird. You, you hear this term and it feels this like, okay, well, my experience is, Good. But when the question is, at what points in time, right? Asking a customer that just bought the question of would you recommend might have a very different answer to somebody who's been with you for three months. Right. And so you have to think about context and timing of when you when you collect that survey, because context matters. Right. We know that always. I just to be perfectly honest, I've purchased products in that 
sphere before, and they haven't always worked that well. And so I know your product works great, but I think that some of the older products were not as, as effective as the newer ones are today. Do you feel that that is something that you have to overcome in your marketing? Yes. To answer your question, from a marketing standpoint, that's always a challenge, right? How do you differentiate from competitors or, or the past, right? Or, or even you know, preconceptions. How many services that relate to this optimization or making your PC better, do you now actually have an actual assisted, human-assisted person that's ready to go and answer or help with your issue? Zero. Anyone that does, you get on the phone, first thing you want to do is sell you something more. You pay us 10 bucks, it includes everything. That's the opportunity that we've jumped on as that's our big differentiator. And that is also, in my opinion, your customer experience. Yeah. Like you said, you know, every computer program is going to have its glitches and bugs. What's important is the tech support. Right. Absolutely. Great. And it sounds like yours is exemplary. So. And we don't, we're not afraid of, of those conversations because, you know, we, the more of them we have, the better our service becomes because we just go ahead and code in for those instances so fewer people need to call. That's great. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, we're running out of time for this segment, but Bogdan, where can people find Solve IQ? It's exactly that, solveiq.com. Hopefully easy to remember. Passage to Profit, stay with us. We'll be back right after this commercial break. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. It's time for Kenya Gibson and her Power Move segment. Who do we have with us this evening for Power Move, Kenya? So for Power Move today, we're going to talk about Cameron Folks. So Cameron Folks is the founder of a veteran-owned lifestyle meal company, Eat Right. And basically what it is, it's a experience with celebrity chefs. So you get live classes with celebrity chefs, you get to cook with them. And they also have customized meal plans that they also put together for people. So ketogenetic, you want a special breakfast based on your personality. They have everything when it comes to food, that's really going to help you eat right and feel better and give you that celebrity experience as well. And they've actually partnered with Fabio Viviani, who's a celebrity chef who is going to be you know, building this platform with them and giving people the food experience of a lifetime. How do you get the food? I mean, do they deliver it? Is it pre-prepared or do you go to a restaurant? They deliver it. So it is pre-prepared. It's based on your pro- your personality or your profile makeup. So you basically you tell them what your goals are. They customize a meal plan for you. And then as a part of that, you have an opportunity to also cook those meals and learn how to prepare things along with these celebrity chefs. So it's this full service lifestyle experiences. So you're not just getting food delivered, you're also having the opportunity to cook along with your favorite chef. I'm up for the seven day a week steak dinner diet. (laughs) (laughs) French fries. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if the French fry diet works long term, but um, I'm sure they have something for everyone. I'm just curious, can you ask a question here? When you say eat based on your personality, can you give us any more detail on what that really means? Basically, so for example, like the breakfast, right? Everybody eats breakfast so differently. Like sometimes like I don't eat breakfast till later on. I'm a light breakfast eater, eater. I won't sit down and eat a full pancake, eggs, bacon type of thing. So they'll customize a plan or breakfast eating plan based on what your your user experience or your, your habits are. Habits. Okay, yes. Great. Gotcha. So now it's time for Fireside. Elizabeth, tell us what's going on with Fireside. Yes. So for those of you who don't know what Fireside is, it's a directory of small businesses on video. And it's different than anything else that's out there. And I had a 
vision for the website. And I had to use a website that was like putting a square peg in a round hole, didn't really fit. But now I've hired somebody to help me do the website I actually want. I hope it's possible because it hasn't been done like this before. But <laughs> uh, we'll see. So the website would basically have, a, it's a video directory. So it's a directory. So if you were a business coach, let's say, or a motivational speaker, it would have a list of motivational speakers and it would have a 10 to 30 second clip of them saying why you would choose them over someone else. And then they would have a page on the website that would have a full interview if you want to learn more about them and also the transcription of that interview. And I interview people for that. I've been interviewing people for that. I'm continuing to interview people for that to get the content to build the basic site. And then um, we have some ideas for some automations to scale it. So right now it's not really scalable the way it is, but we have to build the minimum viable product, right? So I'm pretty excited that I'm going to be working with somebody who can actually maybe do the website that I actually want. It goes back to an earlier point, though, that Deborah made, and that is that people make all the difference. And if you get the right person in the right spot, then that's like just an extra level of growth. So, um, And Elizabeth, who's the user on this? So the user is anybody looking for professionals. So the user would be the general public. I have a B2B section and a B2C section. So I want to split it out that way because some people are both. But for instance, I have business coaches on there. And what I find fascinating, Deborah, is that every single business coach does it differently. If you want to focus on this area, you would choose this person. If you want to focus on this area, choose. or maybe I don't like your personality, not you, but I, I do like no. your personality, but you know, maybe I don't like the way this person talks to people, then I'm not going to work with them. Yeah. And business coaches is really critical that you connect. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had several. And uh, sometimes you connect, sometimes you don't, and you'll get nothing from those with whom you do not connect. So it's critically important. Right. And so it's kind of a pre-screening. So that's who the user is, is somebody that would use the services. And then I do have a consumer products part to it and everything else. But for you personally, who's the person that's on the directory, I think you get better qualified leads for your business from it. Mm -hmm. so Richard's telling me that I talk too much. So we will move on now to Lisa Laurie. So I just have a question for our audience. Do you want to live in the lap of luxury or at least feel like you are? So go visit Lisa's shop and you'll see what I mean. So welcome, Lisa. Tell us a little bit about The Perfect Provenance. The Perfect Provenance is a luxury lifestyle company that I founded five years ago in Greenwich, Connecticut. Our flagship is in a Victorian historical home uh, on the first and second floor. We have a restaurant and gifts for the home. And then on our second floor, we have men's and women's fashion and more gifts and this past July, I had since relocated back to the West Coast, where I was originally from. Uh, we opened a store on Main Street in Tiburon, California, which is about 25 minutes out of San Francisco. And then two weeks ago, we just opened our third store in Napa, California. We specialize in bringing products and experiences from around the world. I worked in luxury goods for 25 years. So my goal was really to find unique quality items that people would cherish forever, really. That sounds wonderful. I'm going to have to visit your store in Napa next time we go. <laughs> I'm definitely coming. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. So in your opinion, what makes something luxurious? Luxury is not defined by price, in my opinion. Luxury is about the story behind the product, where it came from, who made it, and how it makes you feel when you buy it. So the feeling that we want to give people when they come in our store or they shop online or they have any kind of interaction with us is that feeling that you get when you go on vacation and you go into a little shop and you find a, a, a top or uh, a gift, et cetera. And when you take that product home, whatever it is, you tend to look at it in a very emotional way every time you see it. So uh, I had an experience in Greece a few years ago. I went with my family and we all know Greece is known for you know blue and white, but there was a little shop there that had only blue products. It was only blue. So like blue cups, blue tops, blue, whatever. And it was such a clever idea. But, and of course I bought something because I just felt compelled to buy something blue. And I just wanted to try to capture that feeling because especially during COVID, we're not traveling to Europe or 
maybe some other exotic places, we can still deliver that same experience here in our local towns or America at large or whatever. Deborah, do you have a question or comment? Oh, I'm already in love. I, lo I really love this. And I know exactly what you're saying. It's kind of funny you bring this up. The other day I was saying to my husband, is I went around the house and in my closet, which is kind of like its own room all by itself. Remember when I bought this? Remember where we were when I bought this? Remember right. this piece of jewelry? Remember? So I have incredible memories and feelings around pieces of jewelry, clothing, shoes, handbags, whatever I bought in other parts of the world. It was right. that little shop in the corner, et cetera. So you are totally onto something. And I love this idea. And I know Tiburon well too. I lived in California for five years. So boy, nice. I'd love to visit. Excellent. Certainly you can buy expensive handbags or watches or whatever it is online, but there's nothing like the romance of going into a store trying it on, having um, a really great salesperson work with you and enjoy that part of it. I mean, you for most people, it might be a significant amount of money, et cetera. And part of the experience of owning that is the reinforcement and the pleasure that they got buying it. And that, that's really what we try to give people. And are all of them called Perfect Providence? Yes. So it's so all the Perfect Providence. Shops. Yes. I love that. Excellent. And the perfect providence really speaks to, you know, you hear providence a lot when you talk about antiques or wine mm -hmm. or any anything of true value. Where did it come from? And that's why I really say it's about where the item came from versus how expensive it is. We do have some very expensive items, but then we also have very inexpensive items. It might be something that I found at a trade show, or it might be something that I found at another little shop and I called the designer and said, oh, I would love to carry this gift item, et cetera. So it just depends. Kenya, do you have any questions? I do. I'm so <laughs> glad that you mentioned the word antique because I love going to like antique stores and shopping and like getting things that like, you know, it's been somewhere special and you're able right. to take that and bring it home. I have found the most special, special things in my life, including these earrings, by the way, which makes me feel so luxurious. <laughs> yeah. I got these from, from a little, um, we have a lot of antique shops in Milford, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I just go there for the day sometimes and I just walk around and they have like the old, like, you know, um, hotels that are there with all this, like, it just, there's so much going on that it's old, yeah. but it's classic and it feels good, you know? Well, you know, America in the last 30 years wanted to become a very mass market society, which has benefited us in many ways with big box retailers, et cetera. But what happened, I felt, was that we over-commercialized so many products. And then, you know, you could walk into a party or into a room and four people are wearing the same jacket, et cetera. And so it's just nice to go back to individuality. And I always say that our concept is very old fashioned. It's about knowing the local shopkeep. 40 or 50 years ago, everyone knew the local owners of their stores, their bakery, et cetera. And I feel like, especially in the pandemic, that's why we decided to open more stores. There was this real emotional tie to shopping local and supporting local businesses. Not that we can't provide things on a bigger scale, but to still try to deliver on that idea of that bigger isn't always better. You know, sometimes it's really wow. having great follow through. Are you going to open up any stores in Austin? <laughs> you know, Austin is exactly the kind of market that we like. We have all the same issues with growth that you guys have all discussed earlier, which is staffing. You know, staffing is really hard because we want people to have a good customer experience. But we have found the best places for us is when we're not part of a mall or 50 other stores. We really want to be that special shop in a really cool hip area, that kind of thing. And Austin obviously has that. Right. It sounds like you've really hit on something here if you're on your third store, especially. And People can find out more at theperfectprovenance.com. Uh, listeners, you're listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR 710, the voice of New York. We'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs 
others' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We have just had fabulous conversations on this show, fabulous ideas and products. If you missed any of it, it's on our podcast tomorrow. If you want to see these people's gorgeous faces, I'm going to say this again. We always get the best looking people on this show. Maybe they know they're going on YouTube. (laughs) Anyway, they'll be on our YouTube channel. It's Passage to Profit show. But now we have our final presenter and I actually met Steve Spiro networking and he's just such a fun guy, but he teaches people how to communicate. So if you're kind of shy and you know, you've got to get out there because you've got a business, but you thought your business was the back office, not the front office. And you found out it's both. <laughs> then Steve can help you with that. So welcome, Steve. Thanks, Elizabeth. I appreciate the, the invite to be on the show. It's an incredible uh, group here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you do. So I'll give you a little bit of my background. So I started my first company out of college in advertising. I, I did that for many years, had a very illustrious career. Also have a martial arts uh, background, a couple of black belts, had a karate studio, Work ethic, hard work, and all that was the key to success. And fortunately, but being shy, introverted, and you know, earlier on in my life, picked on, bullied, learning, disabled, dyslexic, uh, kind of kept to myself, very quiet. I was in a very dark place for many years. And then uh, I was very blessed to have a, a very successful entrepreneur uh, to be introduced to that man. And he took me on his wing, took on a mentoring role, got me on a path of self-development, books and audios and networking. And so one up by uh, shifting, getting out of the advertising industry, getting into technology and now consulting. But along the way, I've been uh, become an avid networker and been asked to speak kind of like Deborah. I enjoy speaking engagements. I've uh, I've got a a show, a LinkedIn live show now that I do with a co-host and it's been a blast. And uh, today, 17,000 contacts in my phone, 13,000 LinkedIn connections. And I love connecting people. I love uh, sharing and, and really inspiring people and how they also can really get out of their shell and really learn how to really be a connector as well. That's great. So how did you do that? I mean, how do you learn to go from an introvert to somebody who is obviously communicates in a very fluid way? I'll let you know when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a work in progress. Every day I push myself out of my comfort zone. You know, it's uh, my model today is there's danger in the comfort zone, right? And I just want to always push myself and and so, yeah, some things that have helped along the way. I mean, certainly um, I've done a lot of reading. I've read a, a, bu- a ton of books. I, I thank God for Audible because uh, dyslexic uh, reading, they didn't go together. So Audible came along and I'm now, I blow through two to three books a month, sometimes four, depending on how long the book is. But also just got out there and started networking. Uh, what, you know, the gentleman that I'm blessed to be mentored by, you know, just challenged me. And and so I made a goal of literally meeting two or three strangers every day living life. Now, this is before COVID, obviously. Uh, and that really got me out of my comfort zone. And, and so, you know, pumping gas at the gas station or online at the supermarket, just striking up conversations that I found the more I got outside of myself, the more inspiring and motivated and excited I was. And, uh, so I started doing networking groups. I, I belonged to some formal networking groups early on and getting the skills of that because the, especially the ones that meet every week, there's a sort of a formula to that and you know, encourage, you know, the, the face-to-faces, uh, you, know, the, you know, the meetings afterwards and, and all those things. I mean, it just kind of compiled and leveraging now LinkedIn. I, I love LinkedIn and I'm able to, you know, I, I get a lot of uh, face-to-face Zoom meetings as, as a result of people I connect with on LinkedIn. And so it's just been fun, but it's it's work in progress. I think anyone can do it. I think the first premise that I like to bring to the table or I, I lead with is I lead with how can I add value for you? We did a show uh, this past week on, on Monday with uh, famous author Bob Berg from the Go-Giver series. And and I love his, his premise of, you know, you give, right? And you give and you give and eventually you'll get, right? You don't go to a fireplace and you say, hey, 
you give me the fire and then I'll give you the wood. No, you got to put the wood in first and then you get the fire. Right. And, and that's, you know, the law of reciprocity you give and then you receive. Right. And I go there, I go into this experience with it, with a giving mentality. Uh, and how can I serve you? How could it be a value to you? And I want to learn about you. Excellent. So Deborah, do you have any questions or comments for Steve? I love that because it goes to the servant leadership kind of concept, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I completely agree with you. When you give, you receive. And if you give from your heart, and that sounds exactly like what you're doing, you will receive in return. And I think sometimes it's uh, more rewarding to give than it is to receive. And you're showing that with what you're giving to others. And I like your approach very, very much. And that is, how can I serve you? You know, what value can I bring to you? And that's Absolutely. excellent. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So we have a lot in common when it comes to the whole dyslexic thing. Um, I actually have struggled with that my entire life since I was a kid. So I respect when someone takes that challenge and uses it to help level themselves up. I also, when you were speaking, I heard a little strangest secret by Earl Nightingale in there. You know, you absolutely, the, you got that it. Was, that was a game changer for me. Um, but time. I just, I, I would ask you, like, I'm a natural networker, but when I'm in rooms where I feel like it's forced, it's really challenging for me. So, what advice would you give to somebody who naturally might be able to have conversations with people, but when they get in atmospheres where it's like it feels forced. How can you kind of break through that? That is challenging. And my blood pressure goes up. My heart rate goes up when, when I know I have, and, and I love the pandemic. I know that's hard to say, right? Uh, but the, the pandemic forced <laughs> us to all be on Zoom. And Zoom was so much easier to network because, you know, you go to a Zoom room and, you know, you hit right click and you, you chat with the person and you get their contact information. You set the face-to-face up. That was a lot easier than going on and just interrupting people, like if you have a you know a group of three or four or six in a in a circle, and you know you know trying to get somebody to, to to take notice of you, I mean that that's that's definitely intimidating. And we'll be back to that again. Uh, you know, in the Northeast where I'm from, it's starting to just starting to open up. But prior to that, you know, I mean, I, a couple of things that I've done is I made a goal and how many cards I wanted to get. Now it wasn't about getting the cards, but that was the way I was able to quantify. And I didn't, you know, because there's a lot of times you go to these groups and, you know, especially if you're shy introverted, like I you know, tend to be in my core nature, you'll, you'll tend to like meet one or two people and, and then spend the whole night in with those two or three people. And that's not getting you out of your comfort zone. That's not getting you enough people to meet. And to me, the magic is in the follow up. So you want to be normal. You want to come across very pleasant and, you know, get to know people. But obviously it's a follow up. It's not really you're not going to create a, an amazing relationship no matter how long you speak with that person at that event, you're going to do it in subsequent follow-ups, right? So just challenging myself to meet a bunch of people, doing it when you have other people there with you, that's very helpful, right? So now there's, you know, there's somebody else that's, you know, you can commiserate with, or, or maybe you can have like a fun little challenge with that and, you know, say, Hey, you know, how, you know, how'd you do? And, you know, that kind of thing. Or I love the fact is I could talk about my friend across the room and he or she could talk about me across the room. Hey, you know, you need to meet my friend. So there's that factor as well. So Steve, as a networking guru, what do you teach people? What are some of the skills that they could expect to learn working with you? So number one, I'll tell a quick story. I was at a, an event just before COVID and I was with a young guy who he and I were partnering up and going out networking sometimes. And he's a financial planner guy, really, really good guy. It was an event where there was a, a panelist and we wanted to go introduce ourselves and meet one of the panelists. So the panelist said, so what do you do to, to my friend? I won't mention his name. And he's proceeded to go two and a half to three to four minutes into it. At the end of it, when he finally stopped talking, I said, hey, do you have a card? I didn't even get to say what I did. And that was that. So the one thing is, is learning about the person is super important, not just trying to pitch something. And so that's one of the skills. There's a lot of things that I teach on how to network effectively on LinkedIn. That's a huge factor in one of the things I love to coach and teach people on. Those are some great tidbits. I think people should check you out. So is the best way to find you on LinkedIn? LinkedIn is really the ideal for me. Uh, Steve Spiro, obviously, I have a business page, Master Connector. You can find Steve Spiro, S-P-I-R-O, on LinkedIn or look for the Master Connector. And Thank you for that, Steve. Passage to Profit, The Inventor Show on WOR 710 with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Deborah Boblett. 
and we will be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. So we had Deborah Boblett, who teaches leadership and is a motivational speaker on leadership. And you can find her at DebraBoblett.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-B-O-B-L-I-T-T dot com. If you want to get motivated, go see Deborah. <laughs> she knows her stuff and she's amazing. I love talking to her. And then Bogdan Odlinski had Solve IQ. He solves problems that you're having, but you don't even realize you're having them with your computer. But if you use his stuff, it'll make a big difference in your life because it'll make a big difference in how your computer behaves for you. I'm going to buy it because it takes Netflix forever to load on my So you can find out more about his product at solveiq.com, S-O-L-V-E-I-Q.com. Then we had our very own Kenya Gibson from iHeartMedia talking about the power move. And you can find her at Kenya Gibson at iHeartMedia.com. And it's Gibson with a P, spelled just like it sounds. Then we had Lisa Laurie with the perfect provenance. High-end luxury items that are special. With a provenance. With a provenance, yes. And you can find her at theperfectprovenance.com. She's got three stores, one on the East Coast, two on the West Coast. And then we had Steve Spiro, Steve, S-T-E-V-E, Spiro, S-P-I-R-O. And he does a LinkedIn Live show. He teaches people how to communicate, how to connect. He's the master connector. So you can find him on LinkedIn. That's his preferred place. Uh, Deborah, do you have any final words for our audience this evening? Yes, I do. And I would say if you're looking at opening your own business, no matter what that is, follow your passion and don't give up. So what about you, Bogdan? I guess parting words is if you ever feel that you're alone in front of your technology and you want to know that there's somebody there to help, come to SolveIQ. All right. Before we go, I'd like to thank our iHeart team, uh, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program coordinator, Angela Wolf, our video producer. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt for Passage to Profit on iHeartRadio, WOR, the voice of New York. <laughs> <laughs> 